Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. We continue our sermon series. We are going through the entire book, the entire Gospel of John, with the tagline that states, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are gathered together this morning for the sole purpose of worshiping you. I pray that we allow your spirit to encourage us as we now turn to focus our attention on your word. We allow him to guide us as we yield to the encouragement that you have for us this morning through scripture. We pray this in the name of Jesus who makes it possible. Amen. Some of you guys probably remember this from 1991. That was the year that Dan Gookin wrote his first how-to for dummies. I don't know, maybe some of you have purchased one of these books before, a how-to for dummies. The, the first book was actually on, and this is going to date the how-to dummies, or how-to for dummies series, but the very first how-to book was on MS-DOS. Some of you remember MS-DOS, don't you? I remember the first computer that we had in our home was an Apple computer, but then the second computer we got was a PC, and in order to run Windows, you had to go through DOS first and know some basic, I'm talking some really basic rudimentary coding just to you know, navigate the various programs. But do you want to know what I do nowadays before I do anything else? I mean, there's something that, that before I start a project, there's something I do each and every time. Before I begin anything, I always get on YouTube and check, is there a how-to tutorial on how to do what it is I'm about ready to do? Some of you guys can relate to what I'm saying because you, you know that you've learned some tips and tricks from people who have been there and done that, right? There is a tutorial for just about anything that you want to do. YouTube is an excellent source for how to do anything. Now, another excellent source is Reddit. Some of you are on Reddit. Some of you have used Reddit. That is an excellent source as well. And recently, we know from Reddit, Reddit taught a lot of people how to manipulate the stock market, make a stock price go up. That shouldn't necessarily go up. Technology is amazing. There's no way 20 years ago that people could have band together and pump their money into a company that was about ready to maybe potentially fail and make the stock price just soar to the moon. But because of the internet bringing people together, because of the how-to, more people are doing things on their own than they've ever done before. And then, you know, we're not going to go there, but then you just start thinking about things like AI, and then it gets really scary, doesn't it? Then there's going to be whole industries that are going to be replaced by, you know, computers. There's probably going to be a day when you just, you know, ask AI to write you a contract, and you don't even need to go to your lawyer. But we're so used to that, aren't we? We're so used to this. A how-to tutorial for everything. Brothers and sisters, we, we can really all benefit from these resources. I mean, there's a how-to out there for everybody on everything. It doesn't matter what you're into. You can find a how-to to tell you how to do what it is that you want to get done. Even Billy Graham wrote a book 
He wrote a book on how to get saved. Now, I'm sure this was well-intentioned when he wrote the book. I'm sure there are those of you who are listening to me right now that have a fondness for Billy Graham. But here's his book, How to Be Born Again. I'll assume that he had good intentions when he wrote this book, but however, I'm going to share this with you right now, and hopefully by the time we're done this morning, you're going to realize the truth in the statement that I'm about ready to state right now. Billy Graham, when he wrote this book, swung and missed. Billy Graham struck out when he wrote this book. And let me just say this as well as a side note. With most books, especially as they pertain to Christianity, you don't even need to read the book to know whether or not it's gospel truth or not. Because the truth is always in the title. How to be born again. Brothers and sisters, this is actually unfortunate. It really, truly is unfortunate. See, getting and being saved is one thing that there is no how to do associated with it. There is no how to get saved. How do we know that this is true? Is it my opinion? Is this what I'm just seeing? No. We know this is true because of what Jesus has said himself. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title is this, Born Again. Born Again. And as we've stated, we are going through the entire Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 3. We finished chapter 2 last week. We're looking at verses 1 through 14 today. But speaking of last week, we must not forget that we recognize that Jesus, as it said last week, knew all men because Jesus knows all. Therefore, Jesus is omniscient. When we say God is omniscient, Jesus himself is omniscient as well because he is God in human form. That simply just means this. It simply means that he is all-knowing. Those who are saved know Jesus intimately. We learned that last week as well because if Jesus knows all men, that means if you're saved, that means he knows you intimately and you should know him intimately as well. While all others only know him, and we learned this last week, they don't know him intimately. All others just know Jesus intellectually. They know who Jesus is. They know about Jesus, but they don't really know him on an intimate level. See, he has placed his spirit within us in order for this to be true. And that's the reason why we can take this to the bank and deposit it. Now, today it's going to be pretty much much of the same where it's an extension off what we saw last week. But today we're going to see Jesus teach Nicodemus about salvation. To whom he will say a few things. I'm just going to preface. He's going to say things like, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, let's learn what it means to be born again this morning. Let's be encouraged in how it happens. That's where the rubber is going to meet the road. Let's be encouraged in how it happens, as there is absolutely no how to about it. Let's get into our text this morning. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
Jesus responded and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a person be born when he is already old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which has been born of the flesh is flesh, and that which has been born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it is coming from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. Nicodemus responded and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, You are the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you people do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes will have eternal life in him. Amen. So as we put these verses into one simplified sentence that really just explains everything, we're going to keep it simple here. It states this, salvation is the will of God, not man. It's really just that simple. Salvation is the will of God, not man. So how do we start off? Nicodemus, it says, ruler of the Jews. This is fitting, as the name Nicodemus itself means victory over the people. He was a Pharisee, and Pharisees demand strict adherence to the Mosaic law. Basically, the Pharisees had created their own oral tradition. That's what we see happening with the Pharisees in the biblical text. They had their own interpreted expansion of the Ten Commandments. Basically, they reinterpreted the law to suit themselves. That's what they did because Nicodemus, as it, we, we understand from the text, he was part of the Jewish ruling council. He was a member on this council, which was also known as the Sanhedrin. Some of you have heard of the Sanhedrin. Well, Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin, which therefore made him a member of the Jewish ruling council. Council. Remember, victory over the people is what his name means. That is Nicodemus. Now, the Sanhedrin had 70 members, all of whom acted as judges, and therefore they were the Jewish, basically, Supreme Court. We have a Supreme Court in this country. The Sanhedrin was the Supreme Court over the Jews. Now, that number 70 comes from somewhere. They didn't pull it out of nowhere. They actually got it from Moses because Moses appointed 70 judges to help him rule over the people when he was leading the Israelites into the promised land. Now, the Sanhedrin were also known as the Sadducees. You've heard of the Sadducees as well. So we're, we're, we're seeing the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, and the Sadducees. Basically, we're talking about the aristocrats of that modern society. Now, an aristocrat, for those of you that are unfamiliar with that term, just basically means that they were superior in class to other people. They were like the ruling class, or what we would say like upper class in, in our society. They were like the upper class of Jewish society. That's right where Nicodemus was. 
Basically, I guess we could say it like this. Nicodemus was a very successful man with a lot to lose. Which is why it says right here, what does it say? He came to Jesus at night. Now, in verse 2, it's interesting to note something. It's interesting to note that Nicodemus recognized Jesus' origin. What does it say? It says, you have come from God as a teacher. Then he goes on to say, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Remember, he's an aristocrat in his society for that time. He's been highly successful. He's very wealthy. He's got a lot to lose. Comes to Jesus at night, but he recognizes Jesus' origin. He understands that God is with this man. See, all of Nicodemus' education led him to be, you know, in that position where he's going to reinterpret and expand the Ten Commandments, or, you know, we call that also the Mosaic Law. And they did this for the purpose of suiting himself and themselves because they realized they couldn't really keep the law, so they had to manipulate the law in a way in which they could, you know, keep it. So they were in favor with God because they were earning this. They were working for it. They had established the rules and regulations that it took in order for God to be pleased and therefore be saved. And Nicodemus was at the top of the pecking order at this time for doing just that. This is what we call works-based salvation. And works-based salvation is still alive and well today, though you may not hear about the Sadducees, the Pharisees, or the Sanhedrin, there is still plenty of works-based salvation out there. Now, this is really actually, and mind you, I'm sure it was well-intended when the book was written, but this is really the same as Billy Graham's book, How to Be Born Again. It's really actually no different. Brothers and sisters, we've already established that there is no how-to with regards to salvation. That is very clear. Now, remember what was said at the outset when we said getting and being saved is one thing, but there is no how-to for salvation? Again, how do we know this? Oh, that's right. Jesus himself. And that's exactly what we're about ready to see, because what does Jesus say in verse 3? And again, whenever Jesus says, truly, truly, you better listen. Your, your ears better perk up and pay attention to what Jesus is about ready to say. Now, Jesus says, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That, that, that's where this whole born again came from because, you know, some of you know this better than, than myself, but I, I do know in the 70s, I was born just a decade too late, just, just barely. I, I snuck into the early 80s. But that whole born again was really popular, I believe, in the 70s. It comes from right here. It comes from right here. That, that, that's why that book was written, How to Be Born Again. Jesus says, what does he say? I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's no how-to about it. And we're going to actually see more of that as we unpack this. But, you know, we need to keep that in mind. There is no tutorial on how to be born again. So let me ask you a question. And it's a really simple question. And all of us have an answer for, for this question. I, I know I certainly do. Who taught you how to be born? I mean, seriously, when you think about it. Now, we could go to a doctor, and a doctor could explain to us labor. And I've watched my wife go through two labors. And, and trust me, you females here who have experienced childbirth know a thing or two about labor pains. 
I notice how nobody even like smirked or chuckled at that one, and you shouldn't because it's no joke. I had a tremendous amount of respect for my wife after she gave birth. But who taught us how to be born? Nobody. We, we, we were just born, weren't we? There was no tutorial that we read on our way to the womb and studied on our way out. There is no tutorial on how to be born as a human. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is using this analogy on purpose. I mean, he's Jesus. He could use any analogy that he wanted to, but think about it. He used childbirth as this analogy. In verse 4, we realize that Nicodemus doesn't understand the analogy that Jesus is using because what does he say? He says, how can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born. Can he? So then Jesus answered him and he said, unless someone is born of the water and the spirit. That's his, that's his answer. Again, Jesus used this analogy on purpose because Jesus knows that the natural man cannot respond to spiritual truth in natural ways. I'll say that again. Jesus knew that the natural man could not respond to spiritual truth other than in natural ways. That which is born of flesh is flesh, Jesus says. See, as a ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus was accustomed to teaching that all descendants of Abraham would see the kingdom. And any Gentile who wanted to partake in seeing the kingdom would have to be baptized in order to participate in Judaism. That's where he connected his salvation. It was through his lineage, his heritage. Let's not forget John the Baptist's message. His message encouraged a baptism of what? Not just a baptism that was physical in nature. It was a baptism of repentance. We started off the entire Gospel of John learning that John came as a forerunner to Jesus saying, you must be baptized in a baptism of repentance. You know, that, that word that tells us to turn away from our sin and turn back towards God. However, Nicodemus was a natural man, wasn't he? And it's on full display here with the way in which he's responding to Jesus. He's responding to a spiritual truth in a natural way. Now, another quick question. How often do you respond or attempt to naturalize something spiritual in your life? As humans, it's very easy for us to do, isn't it? We could be staring spiritual truth right in the face and we try to naturalize it. We try to make it as natural as possible. We're no different than what we see Nicodemus doing here. Again, Nicodemus was focused on the how-to. He was focused on the tutorial. Again, this is why our main idea states this, and let's put our main idea up again. Salvation is the will of God, not man. Salvation is the will of God, not man. Now, we also see this in Scripture. We're going to look at this Scripture really quick from Titus 3.5. Because in Titus 3.5, God's Word tells us this. He saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we did in righteousness, but in accordance with His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. That has everything to do with everything that we're talking about. You can't earn your salvation. You can't watch a tutorial on how to get saved. And you have to be baptized in a baptism 
of repentance. Again, salvation is not works-based. Therefore, there is no how to be born again. The washing of regeneration is the baptism of repentance to which Jesus is actually referring to right here with Nicodemus. So as we move on to verses 7 and 8, further, we see it reveal that there's no how to be born again as Jesus uses a natural analogy for the natural man. He's given the natural man exactly what he needs, a natural analogy. What does he say? He says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it is coming from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. Again, the natural man can only produce natural results. Let's revisit John chapter 1, verse 13 again, and we did this a few weeks ago. It states this, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Brothers and sisters, there is absolutely nothing that we can do. Salvation is not our will. Salvation is God's will. With this in mind, let's look back at verse 7. Think about Jesus' wind analogy again. We live in a world of quick fixes and instant results, don't we? Some would say we live in a microwave society. It's been going on. I mean, it's a steady progression leading up to this. It just gets quicker and quicker. But that's the reason why Gukin wrote that 1991 book, you know, How to MS-DOS for Dummies. Today, it's the Internet. We're cyborgs with our cell phones in our hands. We are much more intelligent when we have a smartphone, aren't we? We can achieve instant results as fast as we can type them into a search engine. It's truly amazing the amount of information we have coming at us. We're constantly searching for information. Jesus is saying you cannot search salvation. That's what he's telling Nicodemus. You can't search for salvation and you certainly cannot earn your salvation either. That's what he's saying. He says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but do not know where it's coming from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is like the wind. One commentator said it like this. He said, and just as the wind is at the whim of God and irresistible, so the new birth is at the will of God and equally irresistible. Again, this is a good time for us to look at that main idea. Salvation is the will of God, not man. In verse 9, I'd like to make a few observations, just two actually. Two observations from verse 9 through 11. First, Nicodemus asked this question. What does he ask? He asked, how can these things be? Now, basically, Jesus answered this question by saying that salvation only comes from faith in the person and work of Jesus. We have to have faith in his personhood. Who is he? He's God in human flesh. And then we have to have faith in his work. What did he do? His death, burial, and resurrection. He was the ultimate perfect sacrifice for all of humanity. We have to have faith in those two things in order to be saved. But second, in the second observation, I'd like to look at is the word we in verse 11. See that word, we? 
I believe this is a reference to John the Baptist and Jesus. He made it plural. So that's the reason why we preach in context. That's why it's important for us to preach the entire counsel of God. Because we're being reminded again of what John the Baptist has already said previously. And it's not a mistake that John the Baptist said what he said in chapter 1, being connected now to what we're seeing in chapter 3. Hmm, go figure. You got a book, and the chapters connect. It is of the utmost importance that we always preach God's Word in its entirety. I believe this is a reference to John the Baptist and Jesus, because both John the Baptist and Jesus preached a message of what? Oh, that's right, repentance. This is especially true as we're handing or handling all of the gospel in the gospel of John in its entire context. So verse 12, as we move along and and as we close out this section for this morning, it's very clear that the natural man cannot comprehend, comprehend the spiritual realm of heaven. That's really where Nicodemus is starting to struggle here. He's he's struggling to comprehend the spiritual realm that's heaven. In fact, I like the words of Merle Tenney, who said this. He said, it's a very simple sentence. I'll repeat it so you can write it down if you'd like. Revelation, not discovery, is the basis for faith. Revelation, not discovery, is the basis for faith. Basically, what he's saying is, The kingdom finds us, we don't find the kingdom. Because if we found the kingdom, we would be like that, you know, toddler doing something special saying, hey dad, look look, look at me, Look look at me, or look what I found. Well, then it becomes our work. The kingdom finds us. Jesus is revealing a salvation that Nicodemus could never discover. Think about that. Think about it. Jesus knows who he's talking to. It's the same reason why Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Because Nicodemus, his very name means victory over the people. Nicodemus had been successful in life. He had moved up the social ranks in society. He was an aristocrat. He was in the upper class. He had money. He had influence over people. He sat on the Jewish council. He was one of 70 judges. Do you notice how there was uh, been absolutely no mention so far from Jesus on a how-to? I mean, not once has Jesus ever given him a how-to be born again. He just gives him the how. Jesus doesn't even mention what we like to say a lot of times now and been saying for quite some time. He doesn't even mention a special prayer to pray. Doesn't. He doesn't say, just pray this prayer and ask Jesus, ask me into your heart. He doesn't. So as Joe comes up and we close out this morning, I'd like to share just a quick story about a missionary named John Payton. Payton was a missionary to an indigenous people group. I want to read this account really quick. Payton was uh, searching 
the local language of these people to find a satisfactory word for believe. He couldn't find a word to translate for believe in their language. One day after a hunt, he fell exhausted into a lawn chair outside his tent. One of the natives observed, it's good to stretch yourself out and rest when you're tired. Immediately, Peyton seized on the word stretch out and rest and translated the New Testament word for believe in that way. Brothers and sisters, it's those who are tired, those who understand the exhaustion associated with searching for the how-to, who can stretch out and rest and believe, have faith, because they know that God's wind blew the Spirit into their heart. Now, if that's true, which we know it is from Jesus' words, that salvation comes to us from God, there's really one lingering question left that we have yet to answer this morning. And that question is this, and some of you may be thinking this. Was Nicodemus saved? Will we see Nicodemus in eternity? Did the wind or the Spirit, was the Spirit blown like the wind into Nicodemus' heart? Well, we'll have to answer that question later as we get to John chapter 19. But as we preach this magnificent gospel in its entire context, we can take comfort in the fact that it is the person and work of Jesus. It is God blowing His Spirit into our hearts that puts us in a position to be able to believe, which is the whole purpose of the Gospel of John. It was written for those to believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word as our guide. Our prayer is to be able to use Your Word to grow in You. I pray that we can continue and learn further how to encourage one another in that growth to ultimately be a body of believers who shares our faith about you with others. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.